Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. And your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. Enlighten us according to your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're still in the book of Malachi, chapter 2. And um, we said in, for Malachi chapter 2, there are two key truths that were outlined or were brought forth by the prophet Malachi. The first one was on the subject of the priesthood. And I remember very clearly, that was what I dealt with um, extensively before I traveled, on the fact that God was particular about the way the priest conducted their affairs. And I remember categorically making the statement that if God wants to change the nation, the first place God will have to change is the church. And if God wants to change the church, the first place he has to look at is what? Is the priest. Praise God. The, the direction of Christianity as it were is the direction that the priests or the pastors give to it. Praise God. So you, you find out that God was big on the priests. God was big on the priests. And it's very important for us as children of God to make local church decisions based on the truth that is coming out. You know, most times, as we're dealing in our Sunday service on the importance of the local church, we make a lot of decisions based, sometimes we can be very emotional about local churches. So you have people who are stuck in their local church because that's where they were raised. Praise God. And then you have people who are stuck in their local church because they know the pastor. So the pastor is our family member. <laughs> Praise God. And then you also uh, have people who are stuck in the local church because the pastor is from their tribe. Say, well, he, he's, he's our brother. What do we do? Do we just leave him like that? <laughs> Praise God. And uh, some others uh, follow the pastor because the pastor is just a good man. So he helps a lot of poor people. He is ignorant, but he helps a lot of poor people. And so he's a good man. And so people follow him for that. But Peter gave us the reason why we should follow any minister. When Jesus finished teaching, you know, I made a statement on Sunday and I got a couple of feedback from it, but it's okay. And the statement was very clear. You, 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 you want to pastor people who want to be in your local church. If somebody doesn't want to be in the church, you don't have to teach them a message to convince them to be in the church. If people are deciding whether to stay in our church or not, that's the time to teach a, uh, that's the time to teach a message that gives them the reason to either want to leave. And that's what Jesus did. When people were deciding to stick with him, he preached a very tough message. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the Bible says that multitudes left him. Praise God. Now, you know, that, that doesn't sound like a testimony, right? Like, praise the Lord, my pastor preached such a powerful message, and like 200 people left the church. 
That doesn't look like a testimony. But you would imagine that when people were leaving, Jesus would say, oh, hey guys, come back. Let me really explain. But what did Jesus do? He turned to his disciples and said, will you also not go away? And, and you know, if it were to be today's church, there would be a lot of offense. It was him. Ask him. He was there when he said, will you not also go? Were you not there when he said, will you not also go? <laughs> but, but Peter said something very important we must never lose sight of. He says, to whom should we go? For you have the word of truth. The one reason we should stay in any local church, the one reason we should listen to any preacher is the word of truth. That's the one reason. That's the one reason. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. So we said there were two things. God was big on the priest. So let's go to Malachi chapter 2 now. And uh, Malachi chapter 2 and verse, we'll start from verse 1. We still have two chapters in this place. And now, O priest, this commandment for you, if you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart to give glory to my name. And this is very important. I've gone through this, so I'm going, just going to run through it. This is very important that the priest must learn to give glory to the name of the Lord. Praise God. You see, God can use anybody. And we must be very careful. We must be very careful not to take the glory of God. As, as, as preachers now. And the reason I also teach you like this is not so that I don't teach you this way so you feel that I'm the only right preacher on earth. That's, that's stupidity. I teach you this way so that when I'm even doing something that is wrong, you will know that this, this guy is not on the right track. Because the word has to keep all of us in check. The word has to keep everybody in check, both the preacher and the listener. And you must not design your ministry in such a way that you take the glory. It's easy for people to give you the glory. You remember David? One of the reasons Saul hated David was because of the songs that the women sang, the, the choir. David killed Goliath and a few people. And then they just said, ah, Saul had killed 1,000 and David killed 10,000. Now, when? <laughs> And they were singing this scene, and, and, and that was where their problem started from. The praises of men. So you must be very careful not to take God's glory. Says the Lord of hosts, I'll send a curse upon you and I'll curse your blessings. Yes, I've cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Verse 2, behold, I'll rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your solemn feast. And one will take you away with it. I've explained all of this. Then you shall know that I've sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. Reverence. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. That is something as pastors, I'm using the word as pastors, as pastors, because remember the first couple of verses up to verse 10 was talking to the priest, Okay. One of the things that pastors must restore back to the pulpit is the fear of God. Praise God. A, a, a minister should fear God. You know, I, and that's why sometimes I don't, I've taught you on the gifts of the Spirit. 
I don't also understand sometimes how ministers come and they use the gifts of the Spirit at will. You hear somebody will just stand and say, can I prophesy? Do you want me to prophesy? And they say, oh, Papa, prophesy. Papa, speak. Papa, speak. If you understand the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says he distributes them as he wills. Praise God. Are you still here? So it talks about reverencing the name of the Lord. Verse 6. The law of truth was in his mouth. The law of truth was in his mouth. And injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. So one of the responsibilities of a minister, as you listen to a minister consistently, it turns you away from iniquity. Praise God. Are you still here? As you constantly listen to a minister, what happens? It turns you away from iniquity. You begin to value righteousness more. You begin to value righteousness more. Praise God. Okay, verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. And people should seek the law from his mouth. So one of the responsibilities of the priest was to keep knowledge and to dispense the law of God, to teach the word of God, to teach the laws of God. And that is why I think I remember saying that we also must be very careful as ministers that we do not allow the pressure of people to make us start teaching things that we shouldn't teach. You can't spend six Sundays, uh, three Sundays in a month teaching people on the laws of networking, the laws of business, the laws of strategic positioning. You're not called to train the people in advanced MBA. You're called to teach them the law of God. Praise God. And that's why you see that, I'll tell you something about the teaching ministry. Most times you find out that teaching ministries don't grow numerically very fast. Uh, the teaching ministries that grow very fast are teaching ministries that teach a lot and then have a lot of the supernatural. So they teach and their healings and their miracles, so they, 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 they kind of grow a lot. Uh, what you find out is that teaching ministries grow seasonally. So you have some people come and spend a couple of months. Like, okay, well, it's Malachi. Maybe you'll soon get into something that we really need. And then they spend a couple of months and they're like, no, 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 no. I need to get my needs met immediately. And so they go after that. But what people don't realize is that I might be teaching you on how to understand Malachi. I might be teaching you something that is very unconnected to your needs. But the fact that it is the word of God and you pay attention to it, God will sort your need out. Praise God. Because the word of God is powerful. Are you following this? It's like, uh, I'm looking back in my life now, and I was telling a couple of people, if I knew what I know now in terms of my purpose and my destiny, I would have taken my English language very serious in school. I took it serious, but... Just serious enough to get to the next class. And, uh, and uh, my French classes. Two reasons. I write a lot now. I write a lot of books. I write a lot. And I have to always submit my work for somebody to edit it. Because my punctuation is out of this world. I punctuate the way I feel. Not the way it should be done. Right. <laughs> okay. I just choose this comma that should be here. Oh. Then French. I didn't take French serious. I just could say my name and could just pass my exams. That's it. 
But if I, if I knew what I knew now, I'll take those two serious because I think those two are more important. They are more important in my life right now than government and commerce and whatever I did. Now, it's the same thing with the believer. We can be teaching something and you don't think that it is important to you. But listen, every law of God is aimed at building your life. It might not look like it's building your life right now, but it is aimed at what? Building your life. So he says the priest should be the messenger of the law, should keep the knowledge of the law and should dispense the law. Praise God. Okay, read on. But you have departed from the way. What is the way? The way of keeping the law, of releasing the law. You have caused many to stumble at the law. So the law, instead of explaining the law to people, they cause many to stumble at the law. Praise God. Praise God. Let's look at a simple, not, let, 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 let me not use the word simple. Let's look at prayer. Do you realize how complex people think prayer? That somebody would sit there and travel all the way to Ibadan, that he wants to go and climb a mountain to pray, that he wants to go to the mountain. And you ask yourself, why are you paying that transport? But it's because of the way people have taught prayer. And instead of prayer being simple, they make it so complex that people now stumble at that law. Do you realize when Jesus, the disciples of Jesus came to him and said, teach us to pray? We call it the Lord's Prayer. We can, that is a CROS understanding of it. That's the disciples' prayers. The Lord's Prayer is actually in John 14, 15. That's the prayer that Jesus prayed. The one he prayed, our Father in heaven, he was teaching the disciples to pray. It's not his prayer. He was teaching the disciples to pray. That was classwork. His prayer is in John 14. Go and read it. You know, they wrote that on top of the Bible, so that's why you just pick it there. But what did he say? He says, when you pray. Jesus wasn't praying. He says, when you pray. Am I right? He says, say. He didn't say, when you pray, climb. Praise God. He says, when you pray, do what? Say. say. That's talk. And what should you say? He didn't say, when you pray. Say, miracle worker. You know, the one who fetches water without a basket and basket does not leak. The one who lights fire and there's no firewood. He didn't say that. He says, when you pray, what should you say? Our Father. Do you realize Jesus did not even say, when you pray, say God. He didn't even say when you pray, say the God of Jesus. <laughs> Do you realize when Jesus said when you pray, he didn't even say, say the God of this commission. Do you even realize when Jesus prayed, he did not say, say the God of Pastor Maxwell. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, say our Father. Meaning that we have joint ownership with, with we have joint ownership with Jesus on God. The same way God is the father of Jesus is the same way he's our father. And that is why the spirit of God is in our heart to cry, Abba, Father. Praise God. To the rest of the world, he's creator, but to, to us, he's father. And that's why when the prodigal son was returning home, he just decided he was going to go home. And he just said, when I go home, I will say, my father, I've sinned against you. You know, it's like when you have 
um, two children in your house playing, right? Two kids. And maybe one is your friend's child came and they broke something very precious to you. You know, the best person can say, don't worry, I'll tell my mother, is your own child. While the visitor is struggling with words, what do I say? And your, your child will just come. And then if they are older children, they'll send the youngest one. And you know, that one will report with confidence and courage. You know, that child will report the thing as if it's a very good thing. Like, her mommy, we just broke your wristwatch. <laughs> but, but you realize, why is that happening? Why is that happening? That child at that point is not seeing you as the person who they have broken his or her wristwatch. That child is seeing you that this is mommy, regardless of what I've done, this is mommy. So that child is coming on the basis of relationship. That tells you that your confidence in prayer is based on your relationship with God. That is why when you sin, you find it difficult to pray. Not because God is far from you, but guilt comes on your heart and you feel unworthy to call on the name of the Lord. That's why sin separates you from God. And that's why the enemy will always want to make you sin because as far as he can put guilt on your heart, your relationship with God will not be effective. That's what sin does. This is a bit of a digression, but I'm sure it will help us. Do you realize when God came to Adam in the garden, Adam was hiding? Nobody told him to hide. God just called him. He said, Adam, where are you? Ah, I said, ah, sir, I'm coming. <laughs> And he was behind the tree. But it wasn't that way before. What made Adam to go behind the tree? Sin. What Adam was supposed to dominate over started dominating him. That's what sin does to us. Every time we sin, what we're supposed to control, controls us. See? By the time you lie, your mouth you are supposed to have dominion over, now has dominion over you. That's what sin does. Sin places you lower than God has originally created you. So what you should have dominion over starts having dominion over you. Okay, praise God. Let's go back. But you've departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the Lord. So even as we go into the subject of tithing, when we go to chapter 3, you realize that the way tithing have been taught is why people stumble at the law. It's a very simple thing. It's a basic thing. There's a spirit behind it. In fact, when I spent time to teach on tithing, I talked very clearly from the scriptures, the tithe, although it's the 10%, but Israel, when you calculated all the tithes Israel paid, they were 20, it was 23% of their income. And there was a reason God did it. What we should understand in the New Testament is the spirit behind the tithe. What is the spirit behind the tithe? Is the spirit of honor and placing God first in our finances. Praise God. It says, you've caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord. The next verse. Therefore, I have also made you contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways. But you have shown partiality in the law. So, in verse 1 to 9, God deals with the priest. There were two subjects in Malachi chapter 2. In verse 1 to 9, God deals with the priest. In verse 10 to verse 17, it deals with the issue of marriage. So let's read. So we're just going to read from beginning to ending, and then we'll just see how we go. Have we not all one father? That's the emphasis again. Have we not all one father? 
Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another? By profaning the covenant of the fathers. Judah has dared treacherously and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution which he loves. If you, if you carry any Bible, you can underline that. If you can underline your iPad, whatever you can do. <laughs> do whatever you need to do. Don't scratch the surface, but just do something to it. The Lord's holy institution, which he loves. That's the basis of marriage. Number one, marriage is God's institution. It's not man's. It wasn't man that decided that we should get married. It's God. So man cannot change the terms. Praise God. We cannot decide that a man can marry a man. We cannot get up and decide it. We didn't create it. It's not development. It's foolishness. So you realize that marriage is God's holy institution. Everybody say God's holy institution. God's holy. Which he loves. Everybody say which he loves. Alright. And I think it's very important because are almost growing a generation that is detesting marriage. And that is why I want to appeal to everyone who is married in this church. You must make sure that you pay attention to your marriage because your marriage is an example to young people coming up. Praise God. You know, who you listen to in terms of marriage determine your perception about marriage. I didn't grow up listening to a lot of negative things about marriage. But then you grow up sometimes hearing negative things about marriage. You hear very funny things, you know, marriage, people are trying to enter and some are trying to jump out. You know, by the time you hear all those things consistently, what are you, what, what's going to happen? Fear is going to come up in your heart. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So marriage is God's holy institution. It is holy. It belongs to God. And God loves it. God loves it. So it, 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 it is very important that we do not allow society begin to redefine marriage, redefine its terms, redefine the way it should be. No, if we want it to work the way it should work, it, we should listen to what God says about it. Praise God. And he goes on to say, he has married. <laughs> what? The daughter of a foreign god. Praise God. Has married the daughter of a foreign God. God gave them a law that they should not marry from other nations. And there was a reason. Because they were going to lead their heart to other gods. And God is a jealous God. Whoever you marry is going to influence you. Positively or negatively. Consciously or subconsciously. Praise God. All right. May the Lord cut off the tents of Jacob. The man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. That means they profane the covenant, but they still offer. Do you know the easiest thing to give to God is money, even when you're disobedient? You can give offerings. Right? 
can pay your tithes. You can do whatever you need to do, even when your heart is not right with God. That's why in church, we must never place money above people's character. Praise God. We, we need money to do stuff, but we must, we must tell people that your heart is what God wants. If God has your heart, your money will follow your heart. Praise God. Okay. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. Praise God. With whom you have dealt treacherously. And yet she's your companion and your wife by covenant. He says you come to the Lord's altar and you cry and you weep. And God is not answering. And he says, why is God not answering? And God says, well, I'm not answering because of the way you dealt with your wife. The wife of your youth. That means they married early. <laughs> Praise God. I remember when I wanted to get married, my uncle said, Ah, you are too small. Where are you rushing to? Why, why worry? <laughs> so I said, but you know, if I start at the ministry and I impregnate someone now and I come and say, oh, one girl is pregnant for me, say, ah, you would have told us if you want to marry, just tell us. Why, why, why will you go and embarrass us like this? So the problem was not that I was too young. The problem that they were afraid to help me. <laughs> but of course, God helped us. Praise God. You know, sometimes when people give you advice, you need to be sure if they're advising you as by the Spirit. Because some people can project their fears into you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So he says, you've dealt with your wife of your youth treacherously. She's your companion. She's your wife by covenant, but you didn't deal with her properly. And we're going to pick this up from, from the book of Peter. In the New Testament, this was also where he emphasized very carefully. God says, you must live with your wife according to knowledge so that your prayers are not hindered. So what God is trying to say right now is that when you get into a marriage relationship, the way you relate with your wife will determine God's response to you. That is big. If many men knew that, they would live better with their wives. That's one of the reasons a lot of men are not successful. They love everybody else but their wife. They will help everybody else but their wife. They will take care of everybody else but their wife. They will take care of everything but their wife. Because when someone is living with you consistently in the house, the person becomes familiar. And what becomes familiar, if you are not deliberate, will lose honor. Praise God. Not our children, but if you sometimes observe the children of pastors, and you know, say, ah, pastor's children, right, right, they are not, they are not, they are this and this. Is it the truth of the matter is that these people grew up hearing the word, left, right, center, morning, afternoon, evening, word, devotion, Bible, church, Bible, church. So sometimes by the time <laughs> they come of age, they, they, they are just so familiar with it. 
Uh, praise God. So you have to be deliberate in raising your children to keep that honor for the word. And it starts, it starts from when you want to pray, let there be reverence. Praise God. Don't pray and some can be playing around and even you, while you are praying, you are still giving them biscuits. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we take, take. As, as Father, in Jesus' name, as we... I, you think that you have been a good parent, but you're becoming an abnormal example of reverence for God. Sometimes when you pray, go on your knees. Kneel them. I know you, are, you have swag, but kneel them. It's not old school. You are communicating reverence. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, and all of those examples, those are the things that God looks at. Those are the things. You see, life, the, 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 the older I get, the more I see that life is so connected that everything matters. Everything matters. Everything matters. Praise God. Now, imagine, I mean, I was reading this thing today and I was just thinking, imagine when Jesus sat and watched the offering. You know, people sometimes say, it's not what you give, it's not what you give. Whatever they want to say, they can say. But you see, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus watched the offering. And the rich casted in their money. And the poor widow came and gave a livelihood. Jesus says, that widow has gone home justified. Like, look at that. Right? And how many of us imagine that God watches what we give? And we can all just give, bam, 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 bam. And God just watches, like, man, you know what? In today's service, I know it's like God just talking to the angels, right? Because, I mean, the devil didn't ask him any question. But you know, God is, is a good father. So, you know, all those conversations that nobody asks you, but you just decide to teach a lesson from it. And God just turns to the devil and says, you know what? It's only that woman that gave today. But you know, the pastor will never know that. Who is the pastor going to honor? The guys who gave the big money, because that's what we put the roof. <laughs> that's why if you're not a minister who is led by the spirit, you'll be led by money. Are you following what I'm saying? And I was like, sometimes for your own good, it's good not to know who has money or who doesn't have money. For your own sanctity. Because the human heart is desperately wicked. Before you know, special prayers will be offered. Special prayers. Special prayers. Special prayers. <laughs> then the prayers will begin to be categorized. So in dealing with our wives, God is watching. And for single sisters, when you want to get married, these are the scriptures you should show who wants to marry you. you. You open the scripture and say, what do you understand by Malachi 2.14? <laughs> Very simple. What do you understand? Don't say, uh, you know, uh, he takes me out. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not by taking out. He can take you out of the covenant. You say, what was your share with me? What do you understand by Malachi 2.14? Because if he has an understanding of that scripture, you can be sure that he will treat you well. Now, look at this now. He's treating, <laughs> he's treating you well is not based on your behavior. It's going to be based on what? The word of God. 
Do you see that now? So even when your behavior does not deserve being treated well, the man will be obedient to God's word. That is where the love of Christ now comes to play. If not, you realize that the man will be treating you by your behavior. So by the time you do something that he doesn't like, he will punish you by not sending money to your father. father. And then when he punishes you by not sending money to your father, you now get angry and punish him by cooking late. And before you realize, both of you are just punishing each other. And then where there is envy and strife, what happens? There are all kinds of evil work and confusion. And you, both of you deliberately open the door for the enemy to get into your house. The man opens the right door, the woman opens the left door, and they all shine the devil. Things start getting spoiled, and you're, you're not, you're not, you don't know why. You don't just know why. And it's just because of the treatment of your wife. I'll say this. Whether your wife is earning or not, whether it's her birthday or not, Learn to just bless your wife financially. Just give them an offering to help your life. You will be blessed. That's very true. Just do it. Praise God. Those are monies not accounted for. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, praise God. Okay, verse 15. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? Why did God make us one? Husband and wives. He seeks a godly offspring. That's the purpose of marriage. What's the number one purpose of marriage? God wants you to pass the faith you have to your children. The only way this faith can be stretched to the next generation is if we are deliberate in transferring it. Are you following this? God seeks a godly offspring and that's the method. That's the way. That's why you realize that regardless of what happened to the children of Israel, God always made sure that one person took the covenant. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, and down towards Galatians 3.13. And the, the, the perfect, you know, <laughs> sometimes we discuss childbearing and fruitfulness, you know, and I'm talking with, with my pastors, I'm like, listen, sometimes for, I mean, especially for someone like me, because God began to teach me this very early, for someone like me, having many children is not just the fear of how will you train them physically, school and the rest. Somehow, you know, that's the easiest thing. I mean, God can sort you out with that. My greatest concern is how do we transfer this same faith with the same intensity to the children? It's a tough job. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. You know why it's tough? Look at your own life. How difficult it was to get you in church. Do you realize that even some adults were still trying to train them in the faith? That we have just left the children. Let's just deal with the adults first. Not to think of the children you're bringing. To serve God with the same passion, with the same intensity, with the same love. And because we are growing up in a generation gradually that even in our own time it was a bit okay, you know. It's more like evil is stronger now. It's just easy to do evil. And the perfect example I found in scripture, perfect example I find in scripture, and I honor those women so much, is the mother and the grandmother of Timothy. Because Timothy's father was a Greek. So Timothy's father was not a believer. 
And that's tough. It's like raising a child in a home where you're the one. That's a, and Paul points out and says, listen, I saw the faith that was in your grandmother and the faith that was in your mother and the faith that is in you. Woo. Three, ge- two, three generations. Paul uses the word genuine faith. So they were not hypocritical Christians. Where is God? Are, are you following? Where is the name of the Lord? And somewhere, this is not Bible, this is me. Somewhere, I just think that's why God even wants us to honor women like that because I think no matter how hard we the men try to impact faith, ultimately the women actually are the key deciders. They spend more time with the children. They spend, so if your wife is deliberate about imparting the faith, it's a bit more stronger. Then if your wife is not deliberate and you're not deliberate, it's finished. Praise God. But we must be deliberate about that. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so let's go on. Therefore take heed to your spirit. Let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Take heed to your spirit. This is something you should be aware of. Don't deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. Don't scheme. Don't, don't, even if you do stuff that your wife doesn't find out, God will find out. I, I follow in this now. God said, don't do it. Don't do it. It's for your own good. And if your wife finds out, be grateful to God. Because God wants to save you. What did I say? <laughs> okay, nobody wants to repeat after me. I'll repeat it after myself. If your wife finds out, what should you do? Be grateful to God and be grateful to her because God wants to save you. Because by the time your wife finds out and you repent, the Lord will release the blessing. So the more your wife doesn't find out, the more you think you are a wise man, the more you're damaging, damaging your whole life. So finding out is good. Praise God. And that's one prayer you should pray. Every man should pray. Praise God. Lord, if I'm doing anything that's not right, cause my wife to find out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to pray before you leave. Everybody will say amen to it. Shall I? No, 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 Pastor. No, no, no. I should have come on Sunday. But that's the truth. That's the truth. Because sometimes when the enemy wants to take you out, he masquerades it as you being a wise man. Praise God. How many of you know the temptation that came to Eve was a very nice temptation? There's nothing dangerous about that. Eat this thing, you become like God. That's perfect. Who doesn't want to become like God? So sometimes temptation doesn't come the way it is. Temptation comes masquerading as wisdom. Masquerading as exposure. Praise God. It's like like a young teenage girl who is messing around. You know, when you counsel the teenage girl, she's just looking at you and just shaking her head. In her mind, I'm a big girl. I know what I'm doing. Do you you understand? You are giving the counsel, don't do this. It will destroy your life. I know why. Destroy which life? I'm having like 1,000 likes on Facebook. Life is getting bigger. But then track back many years down the line, it looks back and says, wow. I was telling someone the other day. So when I look back at all the floggings my parents gave to me, all the beatings, I'm so grateful. 
So I'm realizing that without those beatings, I'm not sure I'll be preaching. Praise God. At those times, it looked like, I mean, I'll tell you something. There was a day my mother beat me so hard. Beat, you know, when they beat you, you start crying. They beat you, you forget how to cry. <laughs> Just open your mouth. <laughs> and then, and of course, in our own time, there was nothing like thinking about suicide or nothing. So those thoughts didn't come to your mind. But it's just like, so after everything, I went to my father the next day. I was like, I, I really want to find out. Is this, is this my mother? Like, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, but when you look back, you realize that all of those things were important in shaping your destiny. It's the same thing with the law of God. When God gives us his laws, it doesn't look good, but it is for our good. Praise God. So he says, take heed to your spirit that you do not what? That you do not deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. Let none, verse 16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. Now, you understand that before the Lord starts talking about divorce, he is talking about the sorry, he started talking about the way you deal with your wife. That tells us that divorce does not just happen one day. It starts from the way you deal with each other. Praise God. And I want to say this to you and for many people who listen to us. Never say with your mouth, I'm going to leave this marriage. Never say it. Even when things are tough, don't say that statement. Because sometimes words are sown and it takes a long time for the harvest of that word to come to pass. There's nobody whose marriage is broken who did not say that consistently over a time. There's nobody. I can't dare you to believe. Everybody. At a point, they got to a point where that was the most dominant conversation. Praise God. So he says, for the Lord, God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for he covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, that you do not deal treacherously. Can you observe that in these two verses, God keeps saying, take heed to your spirit. Take heed to your spirit. You observe that twice? He said that in verse 16? No? Verse what? Yeah? Verse 16 and verse 15. 15 and 16. Why is God saying that? It all starts from your spirit. If you guard your inner man, you will guard your marriage. If you don't take heed to your spirit, and I, some of you haven't attended a couple's meeting, but if you attend a couple's meeting, you realize that, and I want to say this with all humility, all the humility I can find. When we do marriage conferences and marriage seminars in churches, we have done it very wrongly. And I'll say you why. Because most times when we do marriage seminars in churches, we target the women. And we start, you know, teaching the women how to take care of their husbands, how to cook food. We even go to teaching them how to arrange bed sheets and, 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 and all kinds of stuff. And the narrative we throw out is that a woman has to keep the marriage. And so you realize that if we raise prayer about marriage right now, very practical. If we raise prayer about marriage, you see that most men will not pray. You people should pray. And you see the women praying, oh God, oh Father, let no Delilah come near my marriage. Let no. And they were just praying and praying and praying and praying. 
Number one prayer point for men is finance. Number one prayer point for women is marriage. Those who are not married wants to be married. Those who are married wants to keep their marriage. Just pray. Marriage and children. But in scriptures, God always went to the men when the marriage had issues. Never addressed the women. Yeah, do you realize that God, didn't, God is not talking to He's just talking to the man. Take it to your spirit. Take it. You push it. Take it. You push it. Take it. When Adam, when Eve sinned, who did God call? I call it. I call it. That's why being a man to get married is not just about impregnating a woman and having money to pay for a wedding venue. It's about spiritual responsibility because God holds you accountable for that marriage. Do you realize if we start teaching more like this in churches, women will be more confident to just be at peace in their marriage. Because a lot of women have high blood pressure. Unnecessary high blood pressure. Because sometimes when they meet pastor to counsel them, what is the pastor going to say? Go back home. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Just do. If you say don't serve God again, don't serve God. Who is God that you are serving him? Just go do so you can keep your marriage. Are you following this? If we will teach the church that God is holding us men responsible for our marriages, we will sit up. But we almost like feel that no, because number one, society tilts that way and we have found a way to teach scriptures to suit the narrative of society. I can show you all through scriptures, even in the book of Ephesians, where the Bible talks about wives submitting to their husband. If you study that scripture very well, the men have more responsibility because God now tells the man, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That is incredible. How did Christ love the church? Why we were yet seen as Christ died for us? Are you, are you following this? And if we start teaching our men also that that is the definition of love, we will go beyond buying flowers and holding each other's hands and dancing around coconut trees. Because those things are not the things that keep marriages. Do you understand what I'm saying now? You now hold hands, buy flowers, buy this, dance around tree, drink water from coconut trees. Listen, 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 listen. You can do all of that and still have a broken home. It is the word of God. When both of us commit to the fact that I'm going to obey God's word, regardless of your behavior, knowing that this is a holy institution before God that God loves. Are you following where we're going? So these are the things that God began to deal with in the book of Malachi. And these are the things that God began to point out. And you see that God was attempting to reform the nation. And in reforming the nation, observe the, 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 observe the thing here. In reforming the nation, God starts by addressing the priest. Number one. Right. God now enters the marriage institution. Number two. And then number three, he now deals with the issue of the tithe. Finances. But look at that order. What's the first one? Deals with the priest. Then he goes to where? He goes to our marriage. Then God now starts talking about the tithe. Right. Look at our modern day order. How do we deal with issues in church? We start with the tithe. Then we, start, we go into the marriage. One-sided. We deal with the woman very strongly. And then what happens? We now deal with the priest. And what is the scripture we throw? Touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. 
But, but you see the order. If we put it in this order, if we priests, we look at ourselves, and then we begin to teach. And, and, and in fact, in studying this, God began to put that very strong in my heart, that we should be churches that are big on family. We should be big on family. We should talk about family. We should raise family. If I was telling my wife, she's going to do a two-Sunday series on kingdom parenting, raising children in the faith. And God began to just deal with me a lot. We don't talk so much about families anymore. The reason is because we don't want to offend. There are so many, you know, there are feminists rising up. There are uh, single parents association rising up. So we are just, you know, you say this and people say, oh, what are you saying? What are you saying? We almost humble ourselves from preacher to anybody. Preacher to whoever you are. We must humble ourselves to the word of God and say, listen, this is what the word of God says. I am wrong here as a pastor. I am wrong here in the way I've conducted my women conferences. Now, well, this is, this is one of the reasons, you see, we don't have a lot of women conferences. This is one of the reasons. If we are going to have a women conference, I'll be the one to teach. Yeah, because I don't know how want somebody come in and say, women, it's your time to arise. It's your time to, to where? <laughs> where are you arising to? <laughs> this, those are my issues. You know, <laughs> you are already empowered. Are you following what I'm saying? You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You see, there's nothing wrong with you where you are. You are already a child of God with as much authority as you can ever have. Praise God forevermore. Are we still here? Okay, let's finish this up. Wow. So where are we now? Verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone does evil. C can you see it? Can you see how he says we weary the Lord? That's what we just say. Ah, everyone is cheating. Ah, everyone has side chick. Ah, everyone. Every, that's it. That's it. Go all over the social media. Go. He says, everyone is doing evil. And God says, you weary me with that word. You shouldn't even be saying that. Every pastor is a thief. This is not money they're after. <laughs> he said, that's what he said. He said, that's what you say. You say it. Ah, men are the same. And when you say men are the same, who is the same you are comparing all men to? A bad example. Do you realize when you say men are the same, you never look at a good example? Come on now. Even when we say women are the same, what are we, which same are we, which same, which image are we creating? It's the bad one. Even people who have good wives, we constantly say that until they confess their good wives to become bad. You see, let me tell you something. Listen carefully to what I'm saying to you tonight. If you are happily married and you are discussing issues with marriage, even if your hair is not complete, tell them you'll come back tomorrow to finish it. Get up and leave. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me tell you this, eh? except you are a pastor or you are a counselor, when people start bringing a lot of marriage issues to you, you know what you say? Refer them to their pastors. Because most of those problems, you can't solve them. The reason is because the problems are foundational problems. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The only thing you can say is prayer. Some of those things are not even prayer. It's sense. That you, everybody just gets back and say, where did we stop obeying God? Let's all go back there and start obeying God. Because if you, let me tell you what happened. If you consistently keep hearing how bad marriages are, how bad men are, how bad marriages are, 
Even the unconscious actions of your husband, you will interpret them in the lens of the last discussion. When you used to travel, you used to wear red. But I've observed very lately, lately, he's been wearing blue. Something about it. Even, even an unconscious action. And then the enemy will start building strongholds in your mind. And you have the power to create things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, your faith can either work for positive or negative. Negative faith is fear. It's a force. And God says, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but of sound mind. What is sound mind? A mind that possesses things that is consistent with scriptures. Praise God. Okay, let me, let, let me do that quickly because I need to. In that you say, everyone does evil. Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? So the narrative is that, listen, even the people who are doing evil, God is blessing them. Even, even the people who are doing all of this in the office, they are still getting promotion. Listen, we do not judge people's standing with God by what they got materially. That was the same mistake David wanted to do. The Bible says, until God showed him their end. And he repented. So I want to say this very quickly. Number one, God lost marriage for what it displays about his relationship with us. It is within the context of marriage that we can teach about God's relationship with us. Number two, God lost marriage for the good it does to society and to community. Through marriage, we're able to raise godly homes, bring people up, bring children up. Number three, God loves marriage in that it meets our needs, physical needs, women, men, and children. It meets all our needs for companionship, for, for, for relationship. Number four, God loves marriage as a tool of confirming us, conforming us to the image of his son. One of the greatest places that God will test all the messages you are hearing is marriage. Praise God. That's where we test your patience. That's where we test your forgiveness. That's where, you, you see some people come to church, hear a powerful message, and on the way they will quarrel. Why are they quarreling? The woman said he wants black plantain. The wife said he wants ripe plantain. And then before the man decided to pass, they have passed the girl that is selling the plantain. And then that's plantain now. The girl passing the plantain, ripe and blank plantain, now becomes an issue. That everything that I've taught now, they will meditate on it. You see, that's how last year wanted to also buy plantain and you passed. And the man said, ah, but pastor taught us of forgiveness. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Now you realize that the only playing ground if it is your boss, you can decide to go to the office tomorrow and not talk to the man. If you just say, bring this file, yes, sir. You just obey the man and go home, no trouble. But you know, you can't do that to your wife. Even if you say you are not talking, that's when she will pass your front like four times. Go to the kitchen, come back, go to the kitchen, come back. And they say, stay in one place. Say, no, is this not my house? Can I not go anywhere? <laughs> so you realize that within the concept of the family that is where we will have to practice god's word sometimes you will have to use faith for your wife are you following what i'm saying sometimes it's patience both ways now i'm just using wife both ways you know sometimes it's long suffering all the gifts of the spirit you will use them once you're married and how is that happening god is shaping you because that's how god deals with us also how many of you remember how we sin and repent and sin and repent and sin and repent and God is still with us. So this is our own practical. Alright? So that's the marriage institution is where we conform to the image of God. Dangers of ungodly marriage. 
in both the Old and the New Testament. Israel married from the Moabites and it brought curses on the people. That's Numbers 25. Numbers 25. Solomon married foreign women and it led his heart away from God. 1 Kings 11, 1 to 10. Anybody you marry is going to influence you positively or negatively. That's very important. Ahab married Jezebel and it led Israel into new depths of depravity. 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 29 to 33. Number one, Israel married from Moab and it brought curses on the people. Numbers 25. Solomon married foreign women and he led his heart away from God. 1 Kings 11, 1 to 10. Ahab married Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel is a strong woman. Oh, shit. That woman has made impact. <laughs> and he led Israel to new depths. Of, you know, it was Jezebel that trained the prophet Elijah. The man wanted to commit suicide. Ah, you guys, yeah, kill me, kill me. <laughs> when Jezebel threatened the prophet, yay. 1 Kings 17, 29 to 33. I know Jezebel told the, told the husband, I said, don't worry, I'm going to handle this guy for you. I'll sort him out. <laughs> Paul says that believers and unbelievers should not be unequally yoked together. The yoke is not equal. So in the first place, as a single person, an unbeliever is not part of your consideration. It's very clear. Don't say he's a good person. No. No. Is he born again? Is he following God's word? Does he? And the fact that he's in church doesn't mean he's born again. Praise God. Okay. So, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 18. So, let me just do this summary. Just give me like three minutes. Number one, God dealt with marrying strangers in verse 11 to 12 of Malachi chapter 2. It talks about treating our wives unkindly in verse 13. It talks about the evil of putting them away in divorce in verse 16. It talks about dealing treacherously in three verses, verse 10, verse 14, and verse 15. And this all boils down to saying there is no God, verse 17. The way they wrapped it up was saying that, listen, God is not fair, so we can do what we want. God is not just, we can do what we want. So all of these actions are lack of the fear of God. Are you following this now? All of these actions are lack of the fear of God. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, you can put that up quickly. 1 Peter 3, 7. It talks about living with your wife according to knowledge. I didn't finish up, but we're going to go to the next. Husband, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. What's that line there? Everybody read loud and clear. The next line. What does it say? Number one. What? what? Giving honor to the wife. Can you see that? That's New Testament. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. And I have to deal with the issue of the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And I want to look at the word giving honor. So it's something that we should deliberately do as men, that we give honor to our wives. And this is where you need to be led by the Lord. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. What's the best way to give honor to your wife? That is where that understanding comes in now. Praise the name of the Lord. So, um, I can't finish today, but we're going to go to chapter 3 so we can finish this. If not, by November, we'll still be in Malachi. So we're going to do chapter 3 next Wednesday and see how far we can go 
and before we get on to chapter 4, and hopefully we can finish. Praise the name of the Lord. So I just want us to make a commitment to the Lord today, whether we're single, whether we're married, whether we're trusting the Lord, whether we're divorced or single parents. Let's just trust God that His grace will be sufficient for us in our relationships in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Oh, we lift ourselves to you and we make a commitment to you, Father, that by your grace, that your grace is sufficient for us in our relationships, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.